Representative Lantis checks in with This Week in Chicago History, and it's uh, This Week in Oak Park History for Betty White, isn't it, Anna? A hundred years ago, Bob, can you believe? Betty White, born in Oak Park this week, never made it to her hundredth birthday. She fell just a little bit shy, but think about Betty White and the amount of times that she reinvented herself over the years and stayed relevant for so many generations. You know, she was a Mary Tyler Moore show, Golden Girls, Hot in Cleveland. But I went back into the Wayback Files, and I learned something about her that I didn't know. Maybe you knew this. Uh, She was the first woman to produce her own sitcom. Uh, And this is back in the 50s, so you think about what a trailblazer she was. We dug up a little audio from the Betty White Show, her daytime show, in uh, 1952. It's the Betty White Show from Hollywood. This portion brought to you by RDX, the safe way to lose ugly fat, yet still eat what you want. And Geritol, America's number one tonic that helps you feel stronger fast. Now here's Betty White. It's time to say hello again And start our show again And sing a song or two for all of you Hi. Hi. <laughs> she, really, she really did everything, didn't she? <laughs> She's such a great singer. You know, you think about that. Uh, I watched a couple of those episodes, and this sweet, wholesome Betty White and her dimples, and this is Americana. She just was so um, incredible. And then you think to quite a few years later to her Super Bowl ad with Snickers and this smack-talking grandma and, and just the contrast and the, and the number of different, um, you know, the, the, the different characters she became, and we just loved her for it. So it's... Um, mm-hmm. She's going to be missed, Betty White. Much has been made of her love of animals. She said um, that was one of the reasons uh, for her long, healthy life. But she also credited vodka and hot dogs. (laughs) Don't you love that? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Got to like that. It's uh, getting cold out in Chicago, but it's not going to be anywhere near what happened this week in 1985, is it? No, you're right. We're we're getting into some cold weather here. But January 20th, 1985, still holds the record, Bob, uh, for the coldest day in recorded Chicago history. It was 27 below zero with the wind chill. And this may be why the record has stood so long. It was negative 60, negative 60. Think about that. And, you know, I, I actually double-checked this because I, w- I was wondering, didn't the polar vortex supplant some of those records? I thought it did. Um, I checked in with meteorologist Rick DeMaio at Loyola and Lewis University. He said absolutely not. January 20th, 1985 still stands. Um, and I think we dug up something interesting here. CBS2 uh, filing this report on that frigid Chicago day. There are days in the middle of a Chicago winter, but it is best to just give up. Witness the 20th of January, 1985. But there are those who cannot just give in to the weather. Men who are rousted out to fight the lethal combination of fire and ice, no matter what the temperature sign says. Overnight, Chicago firefighters fought frostbite, frozen water lines, and the urge to let it burn as they confined a major blaze to three apartment buildings in the south side. Thirteen people were forced from their homes in South Morgan by the flames. One fireman was treated for frostbite. The other casualty was a fire department hook and ladder that literally froze to the street along with a dozen other private cars in a block-long sheet of ice in South Honorary Street. This is normally one of the busiest shopping corners in the city on Sunday afternoon, but today Milwaukee and Division looks stark, and for good reason. Most people stayed inside. They know that exposure to the frigid temperatures can mean a hospital trip. 
we have seen uh, a fair amount of frostbite today. People that have been out for not very long, just walking down the street, not wearing enough clothing. And if you're not wearing a hat, your ears certainly are uh, a prime target for frostbite. Your nose, uh, your hands, if you're not wearing appropriate gloves. Doctors caution that frostbite can happen before you even know it. First, your body numbs so you don't feel the pain of frost until it's too late. For those who cannot get warm inside their own homes, the city is staffing a phone bank at City Hall to field complaints, a record 2,000 today. Well, you may not have enough heat, uh, your boiler may have broken, you may have some water pipes that have broke, and you may want to have somebody go out and take a look at it. So you would call this number, and again, we would have uh, one of our inspectors assigned to it and try to get out there within a 24-hour period. It would not be a bad idea to give your car a test start tonight, because the record cold is sapping the energy from your battery. The CTA says to expect some breakdowns tomorrow because of the cold, but the Transit Authority hopes to avoid a massive breakdown by spending extra money on fuel tonight. I, I, for, I forget what the temperature should be when we start running them, but we do any time we anticipate any kind of type uh, freeze-up like this, we keep running them all night long. Yeah. Yeah, that was Jim Avila there reporting for uh, CBS2. So if you're thinking you're having a hard time starting your car tomorrow, just think back to 1985, Bob, when it was 27 below zero. I'm thinking about people who uh, may have just turned the radio on in the middle of that report, and they're thinking, (laughs) man, oh, man, it really is getting cold out there today. (laughs) Yeah, that's from the Wayback Files, but, uh, you know, we're accustomed to cold weather here, that's for sure. Yeah, the Arctic Clipper, not to be confused with the polar vortex. It's... uh, 8.46, and uh, we'll get a quick break in here, and then more this week in Chicago history. We'll get to the Super Bowl shuffle and history about men's underwear. This week in Chicago history with Anna Devlantis, and Anna, a lot of people don't remember that the Bears did that Super Bowl shuffle for charity, didn't they? That's right, they did. They uh, Remember, uh, Walter Payton said it in the uh, Super Bowl shuffle, well, the Bears aren't doing this because we're greedy. The Bears are doing it to feed the needy. They raised uh, $300,000 for kids' food and shelter and that kind of thing. And I don't know if you remember, a couple of years ago, maybe 10 years ago, a couple of players sued because they wanted to preserve charitable trust and that the money, that if there was ever more, more money made by the Super Bowl shuffle, it was going to go to charity as they had been promised when they cut it. But this week in 1986, the Bears were still a week away from appearing in the Super Bowl, Bob, but the Super Bowl shuffle hit the Billboard 100 charts, climbing to number 41. Um, <laughs> you'll appreciate this, too, because it wasn't on official playlists, as you might recall, but it was something that a lot of radio DJs wanted to play, and a lot of people were buying that album. So it it, it climbed up the charts. Number 41 earned a Grammy nomination, too, eventually losing to Prince and his song Kiss. Uh-huh. Probably the right call there, I would say. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it's you know it's interesting because it's one of those things that if you're of a certain age in Chicago, kind of like the Empire Carpet commercial, you 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 probably can recite it. You know, you can recite the Empire Carpet Carpet commercial. You can recite the Super Bowl Shuffle, and it's forever ingrained in your memory. Um, it's just just one of those things, one of those part things a part of our history. You know, we got to hear a little bit of it here, we don't got- we? Yeah, we got to. We got to. Well, you know what? The video was also a lot of fun to watch, wasn't it? It was. Remember, they were all playing different instruments. And I think uh, Steve Fuller had a cowbell out, and then one of them could play the saxophone really well. I'm trying, I can't remember which one, but I mean, it was. It's just funny to see how that that all came together. The first sports team to have their own music video. Those were the days. Now let's get to the uh, historic new kind of underwear that debuted in Chicago. 
you know, this is fascinating. 1935, so way back files, Marshall Fields was the center of a major shift in men's underwear. When they put out these jockey briefs, and uh, boy, it was a hot seller, Bob. They didn't know what to make of these things, but they put them out there, and by noon had sold all 600 pairs of these jockey briefs. Uh, men couldn't get enough of them. And then so they, the coming weeks, Marshall Fields then put out 12,000 units and sold them in a couple weeks before you knew it. It was the new sensation. Jockey briefs were the new kind of underwear that everybody wanted to get their hands on throughout the country. Made it to Europe from there. Uh, just, a, just a funny, funny story to think about. Started right there at Marshall Fields, where they debuted a lot of different products. At one point, the managers of Fields said that they wanted to remove the underwear from the window displays. They thought it was a little ridiculous to be flaunting such skimpy underwear in the middle of winter. Uh, but then it started selling so well that, that they kept them out there, and uh, the rest is history. January, cool. ni- January 19th, 1935. So they wanted uh, the underwear out of the window not because they thought it, it was obscene. They just <laughs> thought it was crazy because it was cold out. That's the way the story reads. I went back and looked at it, and they said the field's managers said, you know, we, we can't be having those in the front window in a time like this. But uh, maybe uh, maybe there was something also to do with the risque nature of putting them on display. But once they started selling, Bob, there was no looking back, and uh, I think they, they kept them on display. Since since the uh, the innovation here was this underwear did away with leg sections, and also, and Anna, I'm wondering if you could please hold hold the underwear up in front of the microphone so we can see, because <laughs> it featured, uh, for the first time, the front pouch. Right. And we don't need to say more, but uh, that's that's I think why <laughs> why it's it's sold. Uh, what did you say? By noon, sold like uh, they sold six hundred packages. packages, and then twelve thousand more in the following weeks. Yes, apparently they were comfortable, and they were mimicking what athletes wore, and then they just started to really market them, Bob, and promote them as as uh, athletes. You know, here's here's someone doing a triathlon. Of course, they've got their jockey briefs on. Here's someone you know doing all kinds of extreme sports, and it became part of their marketing campaign and they sure became uh, popular they sure became the, the popular briefs or underwear for uh, years to come pretty interesting no, yeah another reason uh, we're very proud here in chicago <laughs> maybe we can get uh, uh an underwear a logo or something from jockey on the on the chicago city flag in the future it's uh, th- this week in chicago history anna devlantis and we'll talk about it again next wednesday thanks anna talk to you then bob